Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, fresh off of a week of avoiding Brian Christopherson and Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, did you enjoy that avoidance as much as I did? We, yeah, we, I think so. We gave you the benefit of the doubt and said you're away on assignment, and then you, you come back like that. I mean, come back like what? Throwing it in our face that you were avoiding us. We were we were giving you a little grace on where you were. We were just spending too much time together, and I felt like one of the three of us needed to, to break up the whole thing. And so I just took it for the team and decided that you guys could be a duo for a week, and then we'll see what happens after that. So that, that was a thought process, really. It was, it was very kind of you to fall on that grenade. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm always – Willing to do less work, I think that's that's the key takeaway here. You're like a you're like a Texas A&M player diving into a diving into a uh, scrum <laughs> looking for a ball, <laughs> a ball of some sort. <laughs> yeah, I'd be more like the Texas A&M player on the sidelines yelling for the other guys to dive. So I think that's that's a more apt analogy. All right, um, before we get into recruiting and lack thereof, if you will, uh, what what did I miss last week? What What were the high points? What did you guys talk about during oh, this geez. podcast? What did we talk about, bro? Well, we talked we talked about potential breakout guys in 2020. So yeah. if, if you have a quick one, we would be interested in hearing it. Who Who's a? Uh, is there any parameters? No. Okay. Preferably um, somebody who hasn't already broken out. That's the parameter. <laughs> Good parameter. I like that parameter. Um. Here's a guy that I'm really intrigued by, and we don't talk about him a lot. He was part of the the most recent recruiting class. Ryan Held was really excited on signing day to talk about Nico Cooper and just the the kind of size that he has, and I think he has great athleticism. And it just kind of felt like he's a guy that just sort of needed the opportunity, which Nebraska has plenty of, and the coaching, which they're – they're pretty confident in with Mike Dawson. And so Nico Cooper is someone that I think, you know, is, is going to have a lot of opportunity. We keep waiting for the Caleb Tanner breakout, you know, Garrett Nelson's another person that you could say at that outside linebacker spot, but I guess I wouldn't be shocked if Nico Cooper starts off slow a little bit and then kind of gets his feet under him. And there's a guy that's a, you know, first name off the, off the defensive depth chart when you're talking outside linebacker by the time we get into October and November. So um, I, I think that's a guy that they're expecting can come in and, and provide help right away. I don't know if he's screen superstar, but they were excited about him. And, you know, Ryan Held went from talking about Omar Manning and what that could mean for the offense to gushing about Nico Cooper. So it wasn't like he went through 25 other guys and then, Oh yeah, we're excited about Nico Cooper. I mean, it was, it was up there right away uh, amongst players he was discussing when I had a chance to be over there on signing day in December. So that's that's a guy that I just I feel like we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, who are the names that you know? Not to rehash the whole thing, but who are the names I missed? Uh, we, we talked about a lot of younger guys. I think uh, like Bryce Benhart. Um, I believe uh, Ty Robinson. Like sort of. You, I was actually happy that you threw in that name because it was a little off the path um miles farmer and, got a little mention i think yeah 
but so you're kind you're, of the the usual suspects. Yeah, you did a you did a good job of uh, of going on a different uh, route, and that's that that's good. Uh, and it also attaches itself. And I kind of always hate. I'm going to use it, but it's a phrase I don't like—the now or never phrase. But it, it people understand what it means. But it attaches itself to Caleb Turner in so many ways. Where you know, in this in this game, you can be the next big thing, but within a year or two you are going to get recruited over if you don't establish yourself as that guy who uh, people have to come through. And that's why when they get back to football, man, it's going to be some serious practices for Caleb Tanner, I think, because you've got those guys like you're talking about with Nico Cooper. And we'll see where, you know, hopefully Blaze Gunnarsson is healthy. We don't know where he's at. He's had some injuries in the past, but I hope he's ready to go now. And uh, Garrett Nelson, obviously. So it, it's go time, green light for Caleb Tanner. And when you're talking about Cooper, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. No, I, I think that that part of bringing a guy like that in is to push Caleb Tanner. And, you know, it's a, a little bit of a lottery shot, too. You, you take a guy that he didn't have a ton of playing time at, at Hutchinson, but he was someone that played a little bit. And he just got very good measurables. And I think he's very raw. And he has three years. And so – I'm not anticipating Randy Gregory type production, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a guy that we're talking about, like I said, later in the year. And so I, I think he has real break. Potential. All right. Let's, we normally talk recruiting on the, the second half of an episode, but let's, let's start with it today. Uh, Bill Moose, not even Bill Moose, but we'll, we'll save that for later. He has his own comments. We'll get into that too. But um the NCAA extended the dead period now through July. Uh, I had told you guys that I had heard a little bit of scuttlebutt that there was hope that there might be the last weekend in July might still be open as it was normally on the schedule. Um, and that has not come to fruition. And so Nebraska will essentially go the other than having, you know, Heinrich Harburg and a couple guys there on campus at the first spring practice, they'll go from January or well, the beginning of February, February 1st, until August 1st with only hosting maybe three people on campus. That is a very long time. And even when they didn't have official visits that they could use, they still use a spring to host a lot of players. What are your thoughts now that this has been pushed all the way out to August and what this means for Nebraska, who has built relatively slowly and has had a, a couple commitments from guys that haven't visited yet, but we know the visits are a key part of how they go about the recruitment. Yeah, it's to me, you know, it's I was a little surprised that they punted it out that far already. Um, you know, I, I I'll be fascinated to see what they do with August now because that's typically been a dead period in the past. And now with um, you know, July being a total wash, I think you have to do something, at least if not official visits, let guys make unofficial visits or something for practices in August. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge for everybody. And, and you see the numbers right now in, t- in terms of total commitments a- across the country basically double what they are normally this time uh, in the year. You have a significantly fewer decommitments at this point. I just continue to think that it's going to lead to an absolute just cluster of a fall when guys are able to start making visits. I mean, in talking to guys that uh, maybe not locked in spots, but have committed early, 
they're still hearing from a ton of schools and nothing's changed really with their commitments. So, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be real interesting once they finally do allow guys on campus, but it's, it's tough in, in football. It's equally tough in basketball where you, you had no spring or summer evaluation period for high school kids in, 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 uh, in basketball recruiting. Uh, you know, you're, you're not a, as a baseball program getting out over the summer to see, prospects when you know that's when you go and scout guys is in the summer so that it's just going to be real interesting to see how schools adapt with that but I I just I think you have to do something in August to do right by uh, some of these kids in the 2021 class you just have to yeah I think so too and I'm uh I'm looking forward to that uh because I I think it's uh you're going to see a bunch of carts get tipped over then. And that's, that's when it gets exciting. And Nebraska needs that. It kind of, they need to, they, they need to transition from this phase where I think kids are just going to hold pretty steady right now. I mean, you're not going to see deep guys who raise their hand and said, Hey, I'm going to this place. They're going to wait it out until the, until the NCAA says, Hey, you can have face-to-face contact. You can make some of these visits and stuff like that. And then it's going to get nuts. It's going to be like uh like teenagers with grocery carts tipping them over and it's just going to be a beautiful like spectacle and I think Nebraska can actually benefit from it because I do think they have felt like the irony or whatever the word is is they felt like they were in line now as far as uh you know positioning with recruits where they they could had built the relationships and weren't playing from behind going into this cycle anymore they were they were on pace with where they wanted to be and then you have this oddball thing happen uh but you know you talk to a guy like Branson Yeager who's a Husker O-line commit and he flat out said it in the interview the other day I yeah I'm like a lot of guys I I wanted a spot I saw that hey if I don't take that spot somebody else is going to I know I like the place why would I wait it'd be stupid and uh, there's a lot of kids thinking like that but uh yeah I I this we need to make that next step and move the ball forward and get to the chaos uh, part of this cycle. And, and that's when uh, the movie's really going to pick up, I think. Well, and there's just, there's so many guys that are sort of caught in this situation. I mean, Marcus Embao is one of them. Jalen Noel is another one. Uh, you know, there's a, a guy who just decommitted from Michigan state in uh, Gabe Neely. That, Spider. Yeah. Spider Neely that uh, I think Nebraska has a really legit, you know, like a real chance at. I, I thought that before he committed to Michigan State, which that, that commitment threw me for a loop when it happened. And then I, I'm not overly surprised that he didn't end up sticking with that. But um, there, there's just a lot of players where Christian Dixon, a wide receiver I heard about, you know, I had a high school coach who I, I got to know the various times we went out to, to Los Angeles, Brunson, he basically hit me up out of the blue. He's like, Hey, you still cover Nebraska? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I got a wide receiver that I think could end up there. And he, he wants to, you know, he, he wants Christian to be able to take that visit. Uh, Nebraska wants Christian to be able to take that visit, but that may not happen until, you know, the, the fall. And then some of it, what, what we haven't really, and Brunt's kind of hit on this, as this gets pushed out more, those official visits where Nebraska didn't have a ton of competition because a lot of teams use theirs early, now you're just going to have these sort of fights 
you're going to have to recruit just to get an official visit, let alone a commitment. And so it's a, it's going to be a really interesting deal in the fall and like getting those officials are going to be bigger than ever. And then what does it actually look like? I mean, one of the things that, that I'm curious about is let's say Memorial stadiums at half capacity, some of the mystique and some of the magic of a game day visit is just gone. And what does that do for Nebraska? How does that change how they do they, they want guys to come in then in later in November or is you know, there's so many unanswered questions the more that this can gets kicked down the road uh, that it's just going to create, you know, those visit weekends for, for home games should Nebraska have them and should those visit weekends happen, they're going to be full. I mean, those the, the complaints that we've heard over the years where they only have four or five guys coming in, I mean, you're looking at some really heavy weekends, it would seem, but if there's any blessing here, it's that Nebraska is already preparing for a small class. And so they're theoretically one third of the way there, if you're looking at 2021 20 signings. So, uh, you know, we'll see kind of how this plays out. Any other sort of recruiting things jump out to you at this point? Well, I, going back to your point about, you know, how you, how you kind of deal with, a, you know, a, a reduced capacity in a Memorial stadium and the atmosphere and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I think it's, a lot of schools, and I think Nebraska is probably in that camp where, you know, you can plan all you want, but the reality of the situation is, is if you, you can get a kid on campus, you got to get him on campus. I mean, you, you don't, you don't kick it down the road. You don't, you know, really try to out scheme things and really work for that last visit. I mean, I, I think if you have a chance to get the kid in, you got to get the kid in, even if it's, you know, an 11 a.m. sleepy game or, you know, whatever there's just so much unknown. You're seeing schools uh, that are coming out saying that they're going to basically end uh, instruction uh, in basically Thanksgiving. So, you know, if a kid wants to visit, I, th I think you have to let him if he's, if he's on your board and you accept a commitment from him. So uh, that, that kind of takes the strategy out of it a little bit. Like Mike said, I think then it just becomes a dog fight for, you know, if you can get one of those five visits from guys. And, and the other part of it is, too, is, you know, that this is the, the no spring game, the no visits this spring. Nebraska was, had worked itself to a point where they were caught up with evaluations and recruiting in 2021. And now, you know, everybody's kind of having to pump the brakes a little bit on 2022 and beyond. I mean, you've seen a lot of offers made, but the, uh, the opportunities when you would normally get those guys on campus, whether it's, you know, a camp or – some kind of visit weekend in June or spring game, you haven't had those. So, you know, what, what's the residual effects of that looking ahead to, you know, next year's recruiting class too? Yeah. It, it just, you don't get the 2022s. You don't get the 2023s. I mean, then, then, you know, where we spent the last couple cycles talking about how Nebraska felt like they're behind, then it feels like they're behind again. And, it's harder for them to host some of these visits than it is for, for other schools where proximity is a big deal. And so, and, and the, the recruits that you're looking to host are closer to you. So you're right. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't get easier. It doesn't work out easier, but the nice thing is, as we have said several times, at least on this show, they will have an opportunity to make their biggest pitch 
during the season. And that is if they're able to win, if they're able to show an offense that players want to play in, if they're able to show a defense that looks like it shows improvement. The biggest recruiting pitch they have won't be the the fans in the stadium. It won't be, you know, anything like that. It's not going to be a summer barbecue. It's going to be if they go out and they put wins and they finally have some some results to put along with the Scott Frost era and everything else happening here in Nebraska. So they, assuming there's games, they're still going to have that opportunity to to make their biggest statement that way. Yeah, and that goes both ways. I mean, Minnesota might in fact, back up what they did last year. Uh, That's very possible. But that's the boat, like a team like Minnesota, who's got momentum right now and is recruiting in a top 10 class at this point. uh, They they have to go and prove that last year wasn't just, you know, uh, that that's going to be the normal a little bit. So, I mean, once the football starts, the narratives change for everybody. You have a chance to get off to a good start and show, hey, Nebraska Nebraska is making strides now that Scott Frost has his guys. They're starting to trend toward that Scott Frost that everybody was talking about when he came here from Central Florida. And the teams that had a good year last year have to show that they're still what they were. And so it that that's uh Nebraska, you know, they they that's exactly right what Schaefer's saying. I think we can talk till we're blue in the face about this and that, but at Nebraska football's at that point where start showing the results on the field, start showing an offense that uh, is consistent and uh, is kind of that exciting offense we saw at times in 2018 and then sort of disappeared for large stretches in 2019. Get back to that and kind of this playmaking, a playmaking defense that Shenander had in Orlando at UCF. That's the stuff that I think is going to sell more than anything. The, the available prospects in a fall, too, are going to be interesting because as much as we talk about, uh, you know, prospects holding spots and, and potentially decommitting and, and going somewhere else, I think there's going to be some schools that are going to be looking pretty hard at the guys that they've got in their classes and especially classes that are close to being full because when you have so much movement, I think you're going to see some schools that, you know, a kid that, you know, maybe committed to you in May in the midst of all this, maybe suddenly isn't as attractive to you in November if there's another guy who's suddenly available or opens his recruitment. And I also think, too, you know, you, some of these guys that, that were kind of relying on the summer camp season to get in front of coaches going into their senior year, the, the, the first four games or however many games you're going to get to play early on, are going to be really key in what you can put on film. And I think you're going to see a few more of those kinds of late senior offers to guys just based on that, that film, because I mean, for, for a guy that, you know, is going into a senior season, you know, you, you, you don't have film on him for that's what, maybe like nine months old. I mean, I, there's a lot that happens between then. And I think schools that, kind of go through that evaluation process again and kind of find comb it a little bit are going to be able to find some guys who uh, that, that maybe they wouldn't have been been able to otherwise in, in kind of normal times. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're, I think you're, you're absolutely uh, on point with that. So um, do we want to get to some comments that Bill Moose had before we go to break or do we want to catch that after? Let's pay the bills first, and then we'll talk about Bill. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to pay some bills, and then when we come back, we'll talk about Bill Moose. We'll uh, we'll see what Brunts has for the wheel 
Uh, he's been working. I don't know. Did you guys do the wheel last week? A lot. Yeah, that was kind of the third podcast member. Yeah. Oh, wow. It spoke? <laughs> we put headphones on it and everything. Jeez. That's, that's incredible. All right. Well, uh, we'll see what the wheel has to say this time around. That and more coming up next on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Welcome back to the Husker 24-7 podcast. And before we get to the wheel, which I'm told is just humming along right now, it has been spinning during the break. Brunts did one of his power spins, uh, which is just, if you've never seen, frankly, we're just going to have to do a zoom of just Brunts showing his power spin of the wheel. It's remarkable. But before we get to that, we do want to point out that there is a terrific deal going on right now. If you have not been a subscriber of Husker 24-7, you want to get an annual subscription, 75% off right now for the next 24 hours. 75% off, you get everything at Husker 24-7 that gives you access to all of our great work. You'll be on top of all of the recruiting scoops, stuff from me, stuff from our network. We'll have obviously the great feature stories from Brian Christopherson. We'll have good beat stuff as well from BC and Brunts. All of that would be available to you at a 75% off price, but you got to act now. Deal ends on Friday. All right, gentlemen. The wheel, is it, has it stopped? Uh, it's still going. I'll, oh, my. What? How? I'll lean against it here a little bit. Did so, you work out during the last week? Yeah. Yep. I mean, you look roughly the same, so I, I couldn't really tell. Hair's a little longer. Muscles are a little bigger, Schaefer. Um, oh, did BC send you his workout plan? You've been no. doing that at 3 a.m.? No, I just been uh, just been doing some squats, some, some work, <laughs> activating the glutes. Um, so, so it stopped. And the top okay. first first topic, we're gonna spin it twice. First one: If you could have an oral history of any Nebraska football game, what would it be? Okay. Um, I was gonna say interesting. Um. 2010. Am I taking yours? You might be. Depends which way you go. Is it a clean sweep? Were we all <laughs> taking the same game? I should go another one. I should go another one. I was no, gonna say. You... A- I was gonna say A and M. 2010. That actually wasn't the one that I was gonna go. Okay. With. I was going A and M. So. All right. I was taking a different team in that same state. Our previous segment in which we were discussing uh, people grabbing people's balls in the pile <laughs> made me think uh, of it. A real topic of conversation well, if there ever was one. Started well, thinking I, about Ben Cotton's scrotum, and here yeah, we are. I was. <laughs> I was. So I was thinking, like, poor Ben. And I was thinking, no, that would be part of the oral history in itself, like Ben describing that situation. Then you have the uh, the, the Big 12 officials just I, – I would say Nebraska got screwed in that game. I know that can sound homerific, but that was a – that was like one of those old-time games where you felt like it was 1948 in the other town's gym, and you were just getting hosed to some level that was, uh, you know, it would, Bruns hates Hoosiers, but it's when Gene Hackman thinks his boys are getting, getting worked over by the refs and they have the fight in the hallway. That's what was happening that game. These guys and are animals. Not only that, Carl Polini kind of gets into it with a camera person leaving the field. Um, Harvey Perlman chastises Bo the next day publicly. I, I called him from the airport and did an interview with him 
following up an AP story. I remember that. And so they got like 10 different things working together. I know, yeah, he screamed, Bo, that was when Bo screamed at Taylor Martinez and maybe he called his dad. And Nebraska still should have probably won the game if not for a terrible call on uh, Courtney Osborne. Against Ryan Tannehill, too, who uh, ended up actually playing in the NFL as a QB. Was, uh, was Mike Sherman, was he the head coach then? He was. Okay. And I will say, one of the coolest college football scenes I he ever saw. He was still saw. the head coach then in 2010? He was. He was. Wow, he was there longer than I thought because he was a head coach in two thousand and what six when they they won down there on the road. It was sort of right before it started to fall off for him, and they had a decent team. They weren't a great team, but they were ranked. And uh, the thing I remember is I was following Bo off the field, and I stopped near the end zone because the students and everybody was on the field, and they were doing the. Their, their song, their War Hymn song, and they were kind of moving back and forth. I'm doing it right now. The guys can watch it on the video. Arm in arm. And it was, uh, it was actually one of the cooler college football moments I've seen because it was the field was just completely packed. And I thought, I got to at least enjoy this. And, you know, sometimes you got to just stop and enjoy college football when it's happening right in front of you, like the pageantry. So that game had everything for a 9-6 score. <laughs> The, uh, the, the coach of the game I was thinking of was actually Dennis Francione's. Oh. So, so, yeah. what, what do you got, Schaefer? You said 2010, but which game? Yeah, so I was going with 2010 as well, and I, I definitely understand the appeal of the Texas A&M selection there. But I would go with the first loss on the schedule that year, a game in which Nebraska put all of their eggs in the, you know, red out around the world. They were going to beat Texas – there was so much emphasis put on this game. And they came out and laid maybe the biggest egg that I have ever seen what I thought was a top five team in the country lay in a game against a team that was bad. That Texas team sucked. And Nebraska made Garrett Gilbert look like Usain Bolt on, you know, when he was running the ball. I mean, they couldn't catch passes. I think Rex Burkhead either fumbled or lost, lost a pass right by the end zone. Uh, that game had so much hype and so much buildup. I would love to get sort of the oral history of the lead up to it, of the emotions going through it when it was, you know, Zach Lee came in in that game and almost engineered a comeback. There's a lot that happened in that. And then, of course, there's a lot of drama that I think took place uh, before maybe that game ever occurred that has gone down in Nebraska lore. So I, I really think the 2010 – Nebraska Texas game stands out to me as one that if you could get people really to go on the record and give you information as to what happened and where their mindset was maybe hours before that game took place would love to hear all about it because there are so many things that I have heard that I would just love to know whether they are true uh, and what the thought process was it and then how you respond to that because that was the game like that was Nebraska was supposed to announce that they had finally dethroned Texas they were the kings of the Big 12 and they were going to march towards this terrific season and it was gone one terrific Saturday afternoon in October and they lost to Garrett Gilbert Garrett Gilbert and a bad Texas team 
I would, I would read that story. I would listen to that podcast. I don't think we're ever going to get it. I don't think the key people that involved would ever talk about it. But man, that is as low of a loss as I can think of for as good of a team as Nebraska was in 2010. All right, since uh, since BC <laughs> took mine, I've got a random one that would be kind of fun. Uh, I would go with uh, 2004 Nebraska and Oklahoma, the uh, 30-3 to game where you had <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska of narrowly avoiding the shutout with a lengthy field goal as time expired. You had – People shooting at uh, the, the Roughnecks and Darren DeLone, um, their little run-in before the game. Bill Callahan being very confused by fruit being thrown on the field. Um, they were throwing fruit and shooting off guns. <laughs> was like, that the he added up to here game where he did the, the not throat slap? That was the next year. Yeah, that, that was, was in Lincoln. <laughs> you're, you're confusing your Bill Callahan Oklahoma years. Um, one of the worst excuses ever given by a, an that adult when, that I've ever heard. That was when Adrian Peterson dragged Zachary Bowman for like 15 <laughs> yards to the end zone. It was like a little kid hanging oh. on to his dad's. Anyway, and, go on, Prince. And, and I believe <laughs> in, in the 2004 game, Adrian Peterson was pretty nicked up because he only ran for 58 yards in that game. But uh, got a strong game from Corey Ross, carried 30 times for 130 yards. And uh, Steve Crewald. Uh, breaking through to daylight right before, uh, right before the back trap, right, right before time ended there. But uh, that one would be at least mildly intriguing just for the stuff before the game, because the, the throwing fruit thing always just killed me. But uh, the, the other one that was kind of a, uh, that I was also looking at potentially saying um, would be the, uh, where are we going? The, the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, I would be mildly interested in kind of knowing what the buildup was like for that and also what the sidelines were like uh, for that game just because there was a lot of high hopes. Kind of the same deal as the Texas game in some ways where you're thinking, okay, the stars had aligned a little bit. Nebraska was hot. You're getting a Wisconsin team that was down a little bit. Um, you avoid Ohio State. So what? what's uh, – you know, and then the bottom falls out. I'd be, I'd be interested in hearing about that. A funny sidebar to the 04 Nebraska Oklahoma game. Of course, Bo Pelini was at Oklahoma that year. Yes. And uh, behind the scenes, I was working at the Lincoln newspaper and had been told Bo has some things he's going wants to get off his chest, like in the post game. So that was my assignment. Didn't he just do this with the athletic? Was this just not the same well, exact the, thing that the, played out? Well, I guess. This was right after, of course. You were the future of what that story became this, 17 years later. This was immediately after, of course, Steve Peterson went a different direction, and some people thought Bo was going to maybe get the job in 04. And because uh, he had won the game as the interim coach in the Alamo Bowl and all that stuff. And uh, so, anyway, that's, that was my assignment. I wasn't yet the beat writer, I was sort of a sidebar guy. And so I go into Oklahoma's locker room, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to get juicy. This is going to be – I got to be ready to pound something out on deadline. And he completely goes into, like, a coach speak shell um, <laughs> when I get there, and it was a real disappointment. Oh. Schaefer's game room made me think, too, of as bad as Nebraska played, there was that moment where Eric Hag bizarrely picks up, like, a pooch punt where Nebraska had their 
like field goal team and he runs it back in this winding touchdown run like 95 yards and makes it like a 20 to 13 game with uh, a couple minutes left and you're like holy crap maybe they're gonna bizarrely pull this game out after all this but we had a lot of negatives with our answers there well I mean if if you're <laughs> one in oral history or something it's got to be weird right like that's kind of what yeah. you're looking for yes you're, you're looking for Ben Ben Cotton stories you're looking for <laughs> fruit throwing and uh you know extreme buildup and ultimate letdown if you're going to do one of the uh of the Scott Frost era is there a game that comes to mind over the last two years Ah, uh, let's see. Is it too recent that an oral history would even? It might just be a too recent of a. I thing. don't yeah. know. I don't know that there's enough of a soap opera game yet. Well, you have Colorado, the first game of his tenure. You, you could do an oral history of Akron. It'd be short, but <laughs> just 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 do nothing but interview Butch Hug about running onto the field. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, make. You could Ohio make the State argument might have been interesting. You could make the argument a storm really interfered though with, like you know, if Nebraska plays that game, gets a win, maybe they beat Colorado the next week, maybe that gets them to six wins in year one. Um, you know, that's there is sort of a weird chain reaction to that that storm out game. Should we should we spend one more time really quickly? Let's do it. Yeah, we got a quick spin in us. All right, uh, go and stop. Uh, so <laughs> Big Ten West, um, now that it looks like there's football, one of the one of the ideas being floated potentially, I don't think it's going to happen, but would, would intrigue me is playing home and homes with everybody in your division. But which conference, which Big Ten West team do you guys have the most difficult time wrapping your head around? Besides the one we cover? Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, that the, the wheel implied that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that Nebraska is difficult, but I, I never know if it's because we cover it and you're so into it that it's sometimes hard to set yourself out of it. But um, if I was going to pick another team, I would go with Purdue because I, I think that they have all the ingredients to – sort of be that kind of surprise team that Northwestern was a couple years ago, but I think they have staying power. Like I, I think Jeff Brown's a really good coach. I think that Purdue has the ability to recruit Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois at a really high level. And, you know, we, we've seen guys like Rondale Moore and David Bell and other players in their, their geographic region have flocked to that offense. We've seen what that offense can be. I really think that if Jeff Brom finds the right quarterback, which is why I'm, I've never quite understood why Purdue hasn't been on more people's radars. If you're a quarterback and you're transferring and you have immediate eligibility, like you're to Eric King. Oh, cool. I'm going to go play for Manny Diaz in the, you know, total mess that is Miami, but I could have Rondale Moore and David Bell and all of these weapons available to me and immediately play for one of the best quarterback coaches in the country and Jeff Brom. Like, as soon as they get the right guy at quarterback, and they will, they're going to be a fascinating team. Like, they're going to have some deficiencies that they'll have to get through. But I I think the world of what Jeff Brom has done, I think their talent that they've assembled on offense, 
is far superior than what Nebraska has put together so far through a couple years. Nebraska, I think, has the right quarterback piece. But until we see Wandale really get the chance to break out like Rondale Moore did, there's a little left to be said for what they've done at wide receiver. I think they grabbed a great running back in the 2021 group. I think Purdue's offensive pieces are really interesting. We get into the Bob Diaco discussion on defense. That's a that's a different, you know, feel. But I, I like what Purdue is doing. And I, I think that they're they're tough for me because I don't know what the the ceiling is, if they could really represent the Big Ten West someday in Indianapolis. But I kind of think they can. But the floor, I mean, they could also end up five and seven like last year. And so I, I think they're a tough read for me. Go ahead, Bruns. Uh I was going to say Purdue because of the Diaco factor. Like, you don't know if he's going to be – if you if you don't know if you're getting Notre Dame Bob Diaco. He was okay last year at Louisiana Tech, actually, if you look at the numbers, or you're getting Nebraska Bob Diaco. But I'll, I'll say Northwestern's always intriguing to me because they – no matter who they've got, they're going to play close games. They're going to win some of those games. That They might lose a few that they shouldn't. I mean, you know – We've seen the last couple of years where Northwestern can win a lot of those close games. And then last year where they just looked completely lost. But the fact that they have Peyton Ramsey as a grad transfer quarterback, I think at least makes them moderately dangerous. I don't really know, you know, what their other offensive skill players are going to be like. I don't know if they've got a Flynn Nagel waiting in the wings or a Tommy Vitale or whoever, but, uh, you know, I think their quarterback picture is a little bit better than maybe what it was last season so there you know when, when people are kind of going through and asking well what are my big 10 west power rankings i think purdue and nebraska are probably pretty close in that four or five spot northwestern could potentially move up i think just because they finally have a, a quarterback that's moderately efficient i think purdue would have probably been my answer but i would i would say minnesota purdue um, in 2010 texas a&m for a lot of people on this podcast <laughs> well Purdue is sort of that team where I wonder, like, can they go from kind of five, six win range to consistent, like, eight rain, eight win range nuisance? That's sort of where I always picture their ceiling. Like, I picture them being fun and, and uh, disruptive and knocking somebody off like they beat Ohio State the one year. But I sort of think their ceiling is around that eight win mark or something like that. And Minnesota is maybe – different in the case that I'd say they're sort of that sick I wonder I know last year's record but I'm saying consistently can Minnesota under Fleck actually become that team which he thinks they can that is like consistently a 9-10 win powerhouse team that is always competing in the west that's what he's aiming for and I wonder if they're that or if they're more of that on a normal year with a harder schedule a six or seven win team um, I, I am more respectful of Fleck than I was a year ago at this time. I'll say that. I was not in, really big on him, and uh, I was kind of a Jerry Kill defender in a way of the old Minnesota, and he kind of has started to uh, knock into that idea for me. But I don't know. I'm not convinced yet they can be a regular top contender in the West Division, even with what they did last year. I'm, I want to see it for a few years. BC is a big Dilly Bar Dan guy. Big Dilly Bar Dan guy. Mm-hmm. I can respect that. All right, any final thoughts, gentlemen? 
No, um, we will have, we, we can talk, we teased it. We can talk more about Moose next week. We're going to have an interview with him coming up here on the site uh, at the end of this week and with some, hopefully cover some new ground about all that's going on with this mess. So we'll, we can get into that, but uh, that's something to look for. Okay. All right. A little bit of a tease there from BC and uh, we will be back next week with the Husker 24 seven podcast.